song. The old song. If you are a witness, let God abide. If you've been converted, let God, God abide. When storm clouds arise and troubles be tied, oh, you find God standing right by. If you let God abide within your soul, within your soul, deep down within, He'll hear your call. He'll never let you fall. Find God standing right by your side if you let God abide. If friends don't believe you, let God abide. If loved ones deceive, you let God, God abide. When storm clouds arise and troubles be tied, oh, you find an answer to it. Problem if you let God abide within your soul, within your soul, deep down within, He'll hear your call, He'll never let you fall. Oh, you'll find an Answer to every problem if you let God abide within your soul, within your soul, deep down within, He'll hear your call, He'll never let you fall. Find God standing right by your side if you let God abide. If you let God abide. Thank you. This morning I want to thank God for his blessings for permitting 
me to stand in, in uh, this place at this time. I do have a confession to make. I am not Jonathan. <laughs> but I'm grateful to him and for his ministry and for his asking me to come and to share a word with you today. I need to also acknowledge that to many uh, Americans that this is an important day. It's the day that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was born, celebrate his holiday on tomorrow. It's a day that is um, honored in my family because my mother and father were so revered, enamored of Dr. King that they named my youngest brother, Martin, and he was born on this day also. So today is his birthday. Uh, and so I appreciate that. Uh, but I, I don't want to talk about Dr. King. I want to talk about another king this morning, King Jesus. Now the topic that I have chosen, which is always difficult for me to choose topics, the divine solution to human division. From the very beginning of mankind, men has had a tendency to divide. When there were just two boys in the world, two sons, two brothers, that's all that existed. There was nobody else. There was Adam and Eve and their two sons, Cain and Abel. Just two boys in the world, period. Cain found a way to divide with his only brother and rose up and killed him. We have perfected the knack of division as human beings. Now y'all can say amen when you can. So we'll practice. Amen? amen. Thank you very much. Remember now, y'all, you got to remember the rules of engagement. Help me out while I'm up here. Say something. Nod your head. Let me know you hear me. In our text today, we are going to find that the divine solution to human division is God. And more specifically, the person Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see is, but first, before we talk about that, I need to, I need to talk about the problem. I need to highlight a, highlight a problem of human division uh, in the text. And, and so I want to uh, have you to focus with me for uh, a little while, a few minutes on the problem of human division. And, and, and it's interesting, as I was dealing with this passage over the last couple of weeks, I discovered that this passage literally depicts what's happening in America right just today. It's all over the world, but I don't live over the world. I live in America. Uh, and so, and I see that. I see that in this text, and it was just amazing to me as I saw it. 
So in Acts chapter 17, Paul, as was uh, his custom, he's always getting run out of town someplace for preaching Jesus. He now goes to the city of Thessalonica. And as he goes to Thessalonica, he, as is his custom, goes into the synagogue and begins to preach Christ there. The Bible says that certain of them believed and they accompanied Paul and Silas. They accompanied them. They hung out with them and to hear other teachings. And then it says that of the Gentiles, of the Greeks rather, a great multitude were among those that believed. And of the chief women, it says not a few. In other words, there was a number of Grecian women, along chief women, along with the multitude of Greeks that believed. This is a good thing. Paul has preached the gospel. He has told them about Jesus and how it was necessary that he die, but that God brought him up from the dead. And all of these people believed and were accompanying him. And that was a great thing. But it was also the occasion of what prompted a tremendous divisive situation in Thessalonica. The Bible says, and here it is, but after the Jews who were unbelieving, actually the Greek says they were rebels, these particular Jews, God calls rebels, rebellious, disobedient people. After they gathered with themselves or to themselves, certain men from the market, the Bible calls them evil men. So after they had gathered themselves these evil men after they were jealous they became jealous this was not a religious dispute they disagreed with the teaching that Paul had about Jesus but that's not what prompted them to get upset. They got upset because they were jealous. And they were jealous because they saw all of those Greeks being baptized, being believing the message, and then to add injury to insult, a great number of the chief women 
among the Greeks. Read it, it's in your text. When they saw that, they became jealous. And they gathered to themselves these evil men from the marketplace. The marketplace was viewed as being congregated with disreputable people. When you look in the context of this story, these were the lowest of low people that hung out. They hung out in the marketplace. So they got the lowest based people in the marketplace whom the Bible calls evil men. And after they gathered them together, here's what they did. They created mob, a mob in that city. And that mob, obviously being a violent mob, now they stationed themselves against the house of Jason because their intent is to violently carry out Paul and Silas. Notice. They're jealous. They go get the basis of men. They gather a mob. And they cause great insurrection in that city. Does this sound familiar? I don't mean no harm. It doesn't matter what your political idea, uh, idea is, your ideology, that doesn't matter. Surely as Christians, we can all agree that regardless of what we disagree about, there is never justification for getting a mob together to create violence. Because of our discipline. Is that right? There's never justification for that. I'm not talking about politics this morning. We had such a demonstration. January the 6th. A couple of years ago, a violent mob stormed our capital. Killed police officers. Destroyed the capital because they had political disagreement. There is never justification for violence because we disagree. What happened to the notion of being able to disagree and yet not be disagreeable? What happened to the notion, you know what? I know you know this. I know we all know this. For those of you who are married, I want those to stand who totally agree with everything your spouse says. <laughs> I would sit down, but... As an older man, it might be difficult for me to get back up. The only reason why I'm standing is because I'm doing... We don't need to be violent. We've learned how with our spouses. 
I love this woman with everything I have. I don't agree with her on a number of things. And she does not agree with me. But we don't kill each other. We don't abuse each other because of that. These men were jealous. I don't know the motives of what happened at the Capitol, but I know this. It was not justified. And we need to understand that disagreement is no justification for violence. Am I right? Then say amen. Oh, that was a little weak. There you go. There you go. There's my amen right there. And so the Bible says they stood against Jason's house. And they went in and they sought Paul and Silas. But when they couldn't find them, they took Jason and some associates down. And let's notice what they did. They lied. They said, these men that have turned the world upside down have also come here now. And they are teaching that we ought to pay homage to some other king other than Caesar. Everyone that knows anything about history knows that the Jews did not submit as a group to Caesar. Hello? They believed that submission to Caesar was tantamount to idolatry. Particularly because they believed that you should, you had to worship and bow down. They didn't believe in Caesar. But notice, when it came down to getting their ends met, they used that to fuel. A lot of this stuff that these people are talking about today, these people that have violence, they don't even believe it. But whatever it takes to fire people up, they did it. And they do it. And then when the magistrates got what they really wanted was the money from Jason um, to show you how it was, they let them go. So that was one instance of division in this passage, in this chapter. The second instance of division is really the basis of our text. Paul now, they decided that they needed to ship Paul in a sea, by the sea, <laughs> to go away from from uh, Thessalonica. And there's a reason why they wanted to send him by sea because it was more unlikely that those Jews who had followed them from Berea, from, from Thessalonica to Berea, it was unlikely that they were going to be able to catch a ship to go. So they now have Paul in Athens. And Paul is there and the Bible says his spirit 
was stirred within him because of the idolatry that he saw in that city. Y'all still with me? I'm going to do something with this in a moment. Can y'all stay awake for just a few more moments? And then I'll, uh, I'll get to a, a better point. And so the Bible says that he saw this idolatry and so he began to go into the synagogue. And it's interesting that when he saw the idolatry, he goes in the synagogue and starts talking to the Jews. Somehow Paul was holding them accountable in some way for all this idolatry that's going on. In this city. Why is this city wholly given to idolatry? And you who are God's believers are here in this in the city. Here in the city. He starts talking to them. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus is looking down at the church today in a nation that is literally falling apart by racism and racial distinction and political animus. I wonder today. Is the Lord looking at us and wants to talk to us for why all this stuff is going on when you're there? You know, he he said a long time ago, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Talking to his disciples, you are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but a bush, but they put it on a lampstand that it might give light to all the, all the world. What do you say? He says, I want you in the same manner to let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Where is the church? In the midst of all of the violence that's going on all around. Where are we? And why is all of this violence going on? What are we failing to do? That continues to allow a culture to exist around us. Don't some of us know people? What do we do in church? That's free, it didn't cost you anything. I was just flying over that territory. And so Paul goes as they carry him to the Areopagus. He goes to Mars Hill and he preaches. Now I'm going to deal with the text, but I need to make this point. While we see the animus that created mob violence in chapter 17, verses 5 and following, I need you to know that idolatry is also a form of human division. It comes from a good place, no doubt. Because what Paul says, I saw. He says, I perceive that you are very religious. What Paul saw in Athens were altars to all the gods. I think from a human perspective, it's probably coming from a good place. They wanted to make sure that nobody's God was left out. 
So they had an altar to all these different gods, but the existence of the different gods is a form of division. Because it's religious division. It causes people to not be on the same page. He says, I need you to know that the solution to all of this division, religious division that I see is based in that one altar I saw that you had to the unknown God. You've been ignorantly worshiping him. I need to tell you about him. And I want to suggest to you today that the only way we deal with the problems of division and violence that are affecting and infesting our society is not by engaging in political debate. It's not by engaging in discussions of who is supreme ethnically and who is inferior. These are not the ways to resolve the issues that are affecting our society today. The way we deal with those issues is to present to everyone God. Because as we have an understanding of God, and that is a unified perspective, that is how we will eradicate the violence, the dissension that is going on in our country today. God himself is the solution to division. And so I leave you with these points as I move toward a conclusion, but not now. <laughs> the first thing we need to understand and that we all need to be on the same page with is what Paul says to them. God made the earth, the cosmos, and everything that's in it. If we could all become united on that notion that it's God who created everything. He created everybody. And the way we solve division is by all getting on the same page that God is creator of all of us. Y'all better say amen if y'all don't want this lesson to be long. Because I tell you right now, you know, I done told you before. As the old lady said, I done told you. In the black church, we think if you didn't say nothing, you didn't get it. So the preacher was instructed, keep preaching until they get it. <laughs> now, do y'all know that God made the whole world and everything that's in it? Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. We can move on. We can move on. So the first thing we need to know is that he made everybody. And that's how we solve these issues. Secondly, we need to come to understand that he is not worship with man's hands, seeing that he gives to all life and breath and everything. 
Not only is God creator, he's the reason why we are all still here. Because God exists and created us. We now are able to have life. Am I right about it? If we can agree that God is creator and that we all have life and breath because of him, we can solve the problems of division. So he says, that's why he doesn't need us to worship him with our hands. He doesn't need anything from us. He is the source of all life. And he is the basis of how we operate. Let's reintroduce God into the conversation. And get rid of all these discussions about D's and R's or I and I's. And understand that we all live because of God. So that's the second point he raises. The third point that Paul raises in this passage is that he has made of one blood all the people, the nations on the face of the earth. One blood. One blood. When you are in need of a blood transfusion. The one thing they don't put as significant is what your ethnic background is. I got a blood transfusion, I told them in class earlier, in 1970 and they gave me tainted blood. Because at that time they were not screening for diseases. They gave me tainted blood. Don't have a problem. I don't have leprosy. You can't catch it. Glenda doesn't have it. My daughters don't have this disease. They weren't born with it. That I have. The one thing they screen for, the most important thing for a blood transfusion is that the blood is not diseased. Because if that blood is diseased and comes from a diseased donor and is then given to a recipient of that disease, that recipient of that disease will get the same disease that the donor had. And I have that in my body now. Years ago they thought they could kill the disease. Because I was so healthy. And they killed all of my white blood cells. 1995, they sent me home to die. And they told me I was not going to live. Because of that tainted blood that I had received. I hope I don't look dead to you. <laughs> I'm still here. Because of God. Because he's the one. In whom we live and move and have our very being. God had mercy on me when you need a transfusion. It doesn't matter what the ethnicity of the person is. It only matters that the blood is not tainted. And that it's your type. 
in my family, my mother and I have type O blood. My dad had type B blood. I have a sibling that has type A, all from the same parents. You don't want to give a person type B blood, hello, unless you get a person who donates with type B. These are the things that are important, but I need you to understand. It doesn't matter what ethnicity or race you are. He made us all from one blood. And this morning we were showing that you either came directly. Now we all came from Adam and Eve. But after the flood, you were either one of the descendants of Japheth or Ham, as am I. I like what they said about Ham because they said Ham liked the warmer weather. I said, praise God. I have good friends in the auditorium now who go skiing. I'm never going with you. Well, I'll modify that. If I do go, I now know from this, the class, I will stay, Glenn and I will stay in the lodge around the fire. Because as Hamites, we like heat. Hello? And so, my good friends, but if you need a blood transfusion and you are typo, guess what? You can get it from anybody. As long as it's not diseased. Y'all still with me? All right, let me see if I can finish this lesson. Somebody say, please do. He is made then all from one blood. And now... I need you to understand that the Bible says here, for in him we live and we move and we have our very being. Where you going? I'm about to conclude now. We need to understand that all of this stuff that we've been talking about is insignificant. It really doesn't matter. We're dividing over things that will all be burnt up. My Bible tells me that one day the Bible says that God is going to blow the, the horn, the trumpet of the archangel. Am I right about it? And the Bible tells me that Jesus is going to appear. He's coming back again. And when we, he comes back, the Bible says he's going to separate the people from one another. He's going to put the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. And I need you to understand that at the judgment, there will be no political discussion about what your political party was. Hello? At the judgment, 
There will be no discussion about ethnicity. At the judgment, it won't even be about whether you're male or female. At the judgment, the only thing that matters, if you listen to the story, you're either going to be among the sheep or among the goats. Am I right about it? He's going to say to those on the right, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared from the foundation of the world. Why are you going to say it? He says, why? Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Am I right about it? When I was sick, you came to visit me. When I was in prison, you ministered to me. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. Bible says he's going to, then they're going to say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and all of that? I need you to know I'm not going to ask no questions. I'm just going to say thank you. Thank you, Lordy. And in the end, but they asked the question, when did we see you that? He says, when you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. What is he saying? He's going to say to those on the left, depart from me. Ye cursed in the everlasting destruction prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was uh, in prison and sick, you didn't minister to me. When did we do that, Lord? In so much as you did not do it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you didn't do it unto me. What is he saying? Perpetrators of division who make decisions based upon belief systems. Those were the people who failed to understand the basic reality of God is that human beings all need to treat other human beings with the dignity and the respect and minister to their needs not because of political ideations or ideas but because they are created in the image of God and if we don't get past all of these things that are dividing us. I tell you what I'm not going to do. See, I got to go to heaven when I die. I have to. I've had too much hell on earth. I cannot afford to miss heaven. Can I close with my own story? I promise it's the last point. Can I close? Y'all don't want me to close? I gotta have the last story if I'm gonna close. Can I close with the last story? 
My story. Being born in Pontiac, Michigan, all I saw about Anglo people, I saw the Little Rock Nine, how they, grown people were calling them the N-word, spitting on them. I was born in 1950, I saw the church that was bombed The remnants of that were those four black girls were killed. The three civil rights workers pulled out of the swamps who had been beaten, murderized, and brutalized. I grew up where all I saw about Anglos that whenever I saw them on TV, they were spitting at, they lynched people that looked like me. That's all I knew. It's what I knew. And I knew for one thing that was factual. I knew they hated me. So I decided I was going to hate them. When Jesus came into my life, he helped me to understand that to hate anybody and to not minister to people because of the ethnicity of their, their racial makeup, that meant I was going to be on the left. Next week in Bible class, I'll tell you that as I open a more complete version, I had to give up that hatred. I did not want to stand before God and have to give an account of how I failed to love people. Because they were different than me. I got to go to heaven when I die. Too much hell on earth. I need to hear him say well done. And the only way he will say well done. Is when I learn to treat. His creation. The way. He treats his creation because he allows the sun to rise on the just and the unjust and he sends rain on those who love him and those who hate him I'm determined to follow Jesus and I will not allow these insignificant philosophical ideas to block my pathway. I have to hear him say, well done. That's all I got for you this morning. God bless you.
I'm going to ask the elders to come up in the audience. The elders in the audience, if you're still, please come up. Those who are here. Thank you so much. I said something this morning about these men. I've gotten to spend time with them since I, over the past six months. I've got to, I've got to be in meetings with them and many elders were here this morning. So they're not here right now, but at 8.15 there was a whole lot of them. But these men, I got to, I got an opportunity to hear their hearts. I've got an opportunity to hear what they believe and how they what their belief system is. I am so grateful to be at a church with such godly men who love the Lord and who love this people. I meant to do it this morning. We ought to give our elders a hand. If you're here and you need prayer about anything, these godly men whose hearts are toward God and you will be glad to hear what you have to say. They'll pray with you and for you. And one thing I've gotten to learn about them, if there is a solution to your problem that they can come up with, they will make that solution happen in your lives. I know this about them. So I want you to stand. If you need prayers, if you want to know anything about baptism or what have you, there's a class next week, but I'll be here for a few moments. You want to talk about anything else, I'm here as well. But I want to leave you with this admonition. God left us here to be the light. And because we are Christians, we look like, act like, talk like, live like and love like Jesus. We don't allow belief systems outside of the scriptures to dictate how we look at people, how we view them, and how we treat them. What our people in the world need to see today are the people of God being the city that is sit on the hill, that cannot be hidden. My admonition to you, let us go forward. And be the light of the world. God bless you.